Namaste, this is Maya Tawari bringing yet another episode of Women's Power to Heal Mother Earth. Today I want to talk about cows and the system of Goshala in India in the traditional Vedic culture of India. A quote from Faxian from the 4th or 5th century CE. He was a Chinese pilgrim that went to India and this is what he had to say. India is a strange country. People do not kill any living, any living creatures. They do not keep pigs and fowl and do not sell live cattle. In what we now know as Kulaway, Poland, archaeologists found ancient strain, strainers with evidence of milk fat molecules. This dates cheese making to approximately 5500 BC. Consequently, the earliest record of cheese joins the archaeological record earlier than butter which doesn't appear until 2500 BC and may have even been named after cheese. The word butter is believed to have been derived from the Greek term boy to run, which literally translates as cow's cheese. But in the Rig Vedas, which existed 1500 to 1200 BC and or much earlier and I believe it was much earlier noted here that Western history only covered the West and when they talk about historical facts historical discoveries and historical existence they were referring only to the advent of the West which is a child compare to the history of the East. In the Rig Vedas we are told many instances of milk, stanzas which cover the use of milk, milk for the health of humanity, and how we gain milk from the beautiful cow. Going back to Europe, the Aurochs, or Aurochines as they were called, also known as Uris or Ewers, is an extinct species of large wild cattle that inhabited Asia and Europe and North Africa. We firmly understand that the the exodus of cattle into Europe happened from North Africa. These species survived until 16, the year 1627, when the last recorded Yurks died in the Jakturau forest of Poland. Cattle domestication from wild origins 
were among the most important innovation during the Neolithic agricultural revolution. One of the earliest revolutions of the 17th century. The available genetic and archaeological evidence point to at least two major sites of domestication and those were in India and in Northeast, which is Africa, where Zebu and the Turin breeds would have emerged independently. Now the Zebu and Turin breeds were those cattle or cows that could fare better in tropical climates or in temperate climates. Under this hypothesis, all present-day European breeds would be descended from cattle domesticated in Africa and subsequently spread during the diffusion of herding and farming lifestyles. Why am I telling you all of the history that we know of cows and what we later called cattle, which were domesticated cows from the Oryk breed of incredible mammals called cows. Because most of our history in America, in England, in Europe, come from the Western civilization, which, be, which actually thought that history began in Europe. I am here to tell you that history existed long before Europe. In fact, what we have in the Vedas and in the East and from the East supersedes any history we could possibly have learned in our present culture by millennia of time. The understanding of cow, its relationship to the human being and our humanity lies in the Vedic understanding of what it means to be a creature of the universe, a human being in relationship to the larger universe of creatures. We can say that the word vegetarianism, for instance, comes from the Vegetarian International Union Association, which was formed in 1908 in the Western world. Well, good for us in the Western world. But far more important than that is the word in Sanskrit, which is Shakahari, vegetarianism. Shaka means vegetable and mamsa means the meat of flesh. But vegetarianism actually started in the East. It is a term in Sanskrit, Shakahari, that means do not harm ahimsa, ahara that which nourishes, that which comes from the earth. 
In the Vedic culture, vegetarianism has been connected to the attitude of nonviolence toward all animals. As we say in Sanskrit, it is ahimsa. The ancient work of Turkural from the south of India explicitly emphasizes shunning meat and non-killing. Because we are here not to conquer and invade the privacy and sentiency of other beings, but here to develop the sentiency and consciousness of, the, of humanity, of the human factor. Vegetarianism is part of that human factor. Now, my conversation with you today has to do more with cow, milk, and I will introduce to you a new word called Goshala. And that is how we took care of the cows and why. The Goshala, a Sanskrit word, can be defined as the protective shelter for cows. This concept has a long history in India, dates back to the early millennia of the Vedas. But in recorded history in 1880, a gentleman by the name of Rao Yudhishthir Singh Yadav from the Haryana state of India decided that he was going to form what is called a shelter for cows. We have since known about it as the Goshala. The first society for the protection of cows also started in Punjab in 1882. And all Hindu rulers, princely states across India, protected cows and the Goshala became a thing of the present. Goshala, where we take care of cows, where we provide the elder of cows, nutritious meals, clean drinking water, free movement in gated pastures, regular bathing, cleaning, washing, disinfection of the pens at regular intervals, the care of the cow. Where have we seen that in the West ever? We're not looking in our relationship to the animals to form an intimate relationship with the animal in hugging them. We can hug them or in singing to them. I've chanted to the cows for years. But we are looking to set up goshalas. When we talk about the vegan movement and their emphasis on not mistreating the cows in the horrific agriculture of the animal world that we live in in the United States of America and in now many Western countries. We are responding to the animosity, to the vicious, horrific violence that we employ against another creature. And I don't blame the vegan movement for wanting to change this. But where has anyone who has become vegan taken part in a goshala? 
How many of you have set up a Goshala here in the United States to take care of this exquisite creature? In India, from time immemorial, we have taken care of the cows by, with passionate caregivers to build an emotional relation. And we build an emotional relationship with them. We play the music, we chant to them, we sing mantras to them, we feed them. But we also, and this is so important for us to hear in the West, we actually respect their privacy. We actually respect the privacy of their own species by treating them with love and respect and nourishment and nutrition without compromising the integrity of our relationship to them. In 2014, in the Parliament of India, we had recorded about 3,500 Goshalas where positive change towards cow protection from the government through policies and fund allocation had been restored. According to sources in our news, 5.8 billion rupees had been allocated to Goshalas by the Indian government between 2014 and 2016. It was to sustain Goshala by commercializing the cow's urine and cow dung for various applications that had to do with human maintenance. And Goshalas became a popular idea abroad in the UK. One Goshala named New Gokul, maintained by the Hare Krishna temple movement, happened. And in Pennsylvania, a sanctuary called Gita Nagari Farm also was set up. Wonderful. Here again, once again, Vedic knowledge, wisdom, universal, traditional dharma was sent to the West and used by it. Goshala is more than the sanctuary for cows. It was a space that facilitated the prevention of cruelty against cows at the end of their life and ensure a graceful exit for them. They were provided with the sources of raw materials for growing the growing demand for byproducts of cow like urine and dung. It was used in alternative medicine, meaning Ayurveda. It was used in our agriculture and it was used in other application that had to do with health. Now getting to Ayurveda and ghee. This is such a huge conversation that I cannot in one episode tell you about the incredible authenticity and historical odious beauty, immunity building strength and purpose of 
ghee. What you in the West call clarified butter made from the organic milk of the cow. But let me put it succinctly. For those of us who believe scientifically that the cow's milk cannot be in any way a natural food for humanity, for those of us who contribute to the fact that we will not drink the cow's milk because it's an animal, oh, of course, but it's an animal that we want to protect, let me put it to you this way. The contamination of the animal husbandry in the United States and other Western countries have very little to do with the authenticity and the shakti and the beauty of the cow or its milk or its young. Ghee has been mentioned in the Vedas millennia and millennia ago, way longer than earlier 1500 BC. And if I were to be told that you in the United States, a very young and immature country and culture, know more about the authenticity of milk for human digestion, I would say we have a history that comes way before modern history. Modern history only took into consideration the age of Christianity, the age of Western existence. But history goes way beyond Europe and Britain and the United States. History goes way beyond the East, way beyond China, way beyond India way beyond the Himalayas. The mountain the West has tried to conquer so many times. Let us be real. The cow is considered sacred in India not because of Hindu belief. The cow is considered sacred in India because she gives and gives and gives and gives. She is the epitome, she is the ideal, she is the aphorism. She is the kinoclast, she is the archetypal mother. You remember that word, mother, mata, ma the earth herself. In Ayurveda we use the milk of the cow as a medicine for the human contaminated diseases of ego. And it is no accident that that very ego the science of what you call milk in the West, that very ego, is what ghee assuages, calms,
makes more humane. In the Vedas it is informed that ghee is the elixir of life. Ghee is what you call clarified butter from organic milk. And I don't want to keep using the word organic because milk, when taken from the cow while she still had so much excess after she gave birth, was meant for the human consumption. When prepared and imbibed in the spirit, of reverence and veneration. Ghee is, a, is an element of the five elements that elevates inner consciousness. She's beyond the five elements because in fact she strengthens what we call ojas, the body's primordial immunological force, reducing fatigue and stress, aiding the body. But more importantly in Ayurveda she's a vahana, she's a vehicle She's an, she is that which we can put a medicine into. She holds the medicine in total integrity and zips it, radiates it into the tissue of depth that it needs to go to. Tell me. What do we have in modern science that can do that? That can target the tissue, target the depth of tissue, target the integrity of tissue, and carry a medicine within it to that very point of destination. The Vedic seers consider milk to be the most sattvic, which means peace-producing food for humankind. Since 19... Whatever, I have been writing about the cruelty against this exquisite creature, the cow. In my first book, A Life of Balance, I talked about the egregious practices against animal farming, and in particular, the cow. The cruel practices engaged in mining the animals as well as the arsenal of poisons, chemicals, hormones, which are used in their fodder, all contribute to the misery of not only this beneficial animal, but the impairment of what they produce in the sustaining milk for life, the dimming of the divine light. When butter, yogurt and ghee are made from milk produced by conscious organic dairy farmers, and there are few here in my immediate neighborhood. They are considered to be our most nourishing and healing foods, among them ghee, as we clarify the butter, stands out as the elixir for excellent health. And it has been used, according to the Vedas, from time immemorial, way beyond the onset of Western history to which you contribute and to which the entire life practices today that destroys Mother Nature is based on. There are many words that I can say to you, but I do believe that when we talk about not using dairy milk from the cow, 
in order to protect the cow in America, we may be right about that. Animal husbandry has become a horrific, violent crime in the West. So yes, that is correct. But when we talk about milk as not a food for the human person, we are disrespecting the traditions of many cultures that went back years and millennia and millennia and millennia. And we actually have to take some responsibility for understanding that our, lim our limited knowledge of the history of life's evolution is exactly that, limited. Limited and prejudiced at the same time. In the Rig Vedas, we are told that milk soothes the body, mind and spirit. In it riches the voice to bring forth personal sound. It aids our body to let go of toxicities. This purified soma, meaning the healing element within it, have flowed forth, mixing curd and milk. Ayurveda actually considers milk to be the most complete food on earth. The barbarism of what has happened to our milk source and how we get milk and what we've done to these incredible creatures is yet another story. But it does not disown the nutritive, exquisite value of the mother that the cow brings to humanity. I am passionate about this subject, as you can tell. And we will continue it in my next discourse on the making of ghee. No, I'm not going to give you a formula on how to make ghee. You can find that in many of my books. But I am going to tell you about the transcendent Pancha Mahabhutas, the five elements, as it transcends into food. Ghee being the elixir of all food. There we are. From an Ayurvedic point of view, I say to you, have a good day. Peace be your journey.